Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning and happy Tuesday. What a joy, what a privilege, what a pleasure to be with you here today on Salt and Light. We have a very special guest here today, Pastor Justin Kimmer, pastor of Southview Baptist Church right here in Statesville, North Carolina. Brother Kimmer, it's good to have you on the broadcast. Normally I have a little bit of small talk and uh, a little bit of uh, introduction here, but we're going to dive right into the broadcast because I'm excited that you are here Amen. and uh, we're going to have a good time here today. And I trust that all of our listeners are going to enjoy the broadcast. Uh, we appreciate you, your ministry, and uh, you being here on Salt and Light today. How are you doing? I am absolutely fantastic. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and uh, thankful for the opportunity to be here on Salt and Light. And uh, I'm just very excited where I am with the Lord and how good the Lord's been to us. Amen. Well, we're going to have a good time today. Now, uh, this is a uh, this is a, a ministry, a Christian uh, talk show, if you will. But I heard from Brother Max Robinson, my uh, trusty sidekick. He talked to you here a few days ago, and he was telling me at church last night that um, you went on a hunting trip or a couple hunting trips, and you have killed a couple of nice bucks. And uh, so because because I uh, also like deer hunting, and I am a redneck at heart. <laughs> uh, I know we've got a lot of listeners out there that probably want to hear about this, and so I don't know if you had a uh, had planned on being able to tell your uh, hunting stories. This isn't fishing stories because right. fishing stories are lies. So you got to tell the truth on this. Right. But tell us about these uh, these bucks that you killed here recently. Well, the good thing is I have pictures to be able to back them up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so the story's always good as long as you got pictures to back them up. Yeah. You you know, I used to say about fishing, and you know how to stop a fish from growing? What's that? Take a picture of yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> everybody likes to do the close-ups. Once well, well, you got now, a picture, right? it can't grow yeah, anymore. That's right. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. Um, but very thankful to be able to uh, do a couple hunting trips, uh, usually a time of the year that I go out there. And uh, I enjoy more than just the harvest of the hunt, just getting in God's creation. And uh, just uh, enjoying all the animals from all types of uh, what he has created. And it really allows uh, me personally to uh, meditate on the Word of God, spend a time uh, in prayer, really get uh, centered and focused on uh, what he would have me to do uh, as we continue in his will and in his plan. And so I was able to take a couple hunting trips out to the Midwest, and um, it was a, uh, a very good uh, front that was moving in. I uh, got to see some snow. Actually, the morning that I harvested one of my bucks, it was 19 degrees and the wind was absolutely blistering. And uh, so three and a half hours, uh, I got to watch uh, the biggest buck I've ever harvested. And uh, he now, came. Now, where was this? This was in Ohio or Illinois? No, this first trip was in Ohio. Okay. And so I was able to go there. I hunt a lot of public um, game lands up there, do a lot of hiking, Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to get back and uh, really try to hone in where the deer are 
And so I've actually done that for a few years now. And you really start kind of learning a lot of the things when you start going out of state hunting public land. I'm a bow hunter, so I harvest both of the, okay. both of the deer with well, a Well, that's what I was going to ask because Brother Max lived in Ohio about six years ago. Yeah. And he said that it's a, like a non-rifle state. There are a couple of places in the state you can hunt with rifle, but for the most part, it's shotgun, crossbow, or archery. Right. And so you, you harvested this with uh, like a compound bow? A compound bow, a string and a stick. All right. Awesome. And um, so and uh, the, the rifle season and black powder season there is only just a matter of just a few days. Then they take a break. And then they'll uh, strike it up at the end of the season again for a few more days. So mm. a lot different than North Carolina. Um, but uh, I enjoy hunting with a bow. Mm. Uh, archery is my pick. So I assume you're in a tree stand. Oh, yeah. 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 In a tree stand or in a saddle. I know there are some places in the Midwest and even up in Canada for whitetail hunting where uh, they can actually uh, still hunt, meaning mm-hmm. they can kind of stalk, just kind of move through the woods right. very quietly. Around here, th- the time of hunting season, the leaves are so crunchy, it's like, forget yeah. it. You're not going to... Uh, I'm sure there are some people that have harvested deer still hunting around here, but for the most part, you got to be up in a tree or in a in a ground blind. Yeah, and that's, you know, really the stalk uh, is more in fields and open terrain Uh, the canopy in North Carolina is a lot thicker Uh, we have a lot of different variety of different trees that we have here and not only that we have a lot of hunters that are in the woods in North Carolina you know it's a lot different than the vast majority of uh, the open terrain that's out in the Midwest I had a hard time getting used to and listen I the 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 white-tailed deer around here are the 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 most delicious venison I've ever eaten. Mm -hmm. So that's a compliment. But coming from Idaho, where it's mule deer country, and the deer, mule deer are a whole lot bigger. Right. I had a hard time. In fact, the first uh, time I had an opportunity to shoot a doe, I like had a, I I passed on it a couple times because it's just like they're 75 yards away, two of them. Mm And they just looked so dainty. Yeah. I mean, it's like in my mind, I'm thinking, bam. I mean, it's like I, I see I see two-inch eyelashes on right. these deer, and I, it's, I can't shoot it. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, one of the um, – anyhow, I, I don't have time to tell all my story. So then you killed another one in Illinois, I understand? Yeah. Uh, I have uh, a great opportunity out there and uh, really fell in love with Illinois. And uh, that's really my my bigger hunt of the year that I plan for and prep for. And uh, so was able to go within a week and go up there and harvest another one with my bow and uh, killed a giant typical 10-point buck. Uh, both of them uh, are right at the Boone and Crockett mark, awesome. which is 160 inches of, of wow. growth score on, your, um, on the rack. And so uh, just delighted at uh, what the Lord allowed me to do this year with them. You have pictures in your phone? I do. After the broadcast, you'll have to show me those pictures. Absolutely, I'll enjoy it. I definitely want to see that. So anyhow, well, listen, folks, we're about uh, ready for a break. But uh, Brother Kemmer, um, it's been a joy already just talking about deer hunting. And I know some of our listeners like, come on, get to some spiritual stuff. Well, we're heading that way, folks. But uh, I just felt like having some fun. Not that talking about spiritual things isn't fun. But uh, just uh, wanted to catch up. Uh, you and I haven't uh, really talked for quite some time. We both have busy schedules, and our paths have not crossed here for uh, several months. And so it's good to catch up with you. After the break, I want you to um, 
uh, take uh, at least the next break, and I want you to tell our listeners about how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We've been doing a lot of salvation testimonies on our Salt and Light programs here lately, and I believe that God has blessed it, and he's been working in people's lives. And so uh, I'd like for you to share how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then we'll talk a little bit about your ministry. And uh, if you'll recall, I asked you to bring a topic. Yeah. And so you can bring a topic, and uh, we'll talk about it. I don't even know what that topic is, so uh, hopefully it's something that I know something about, (laughs) or I'll just go, oh, okay, sounds good. Good, but uh, anyhow, you are—you've uh, been pastoring at Southview Baptist Church now for how long? Three years. Three years. Wow, time flies. It does. And uh, we had your administrator on mm-hmm. Salt and Light about a month ago, month and a half ago, right. and uh, sounds like uh, he's doing a great job, and Phenomenal. the school's going great, and uh, sounds like it's been a really good school year over at Southview Christian School. Yes, and I'm very, very thankful for what the Lord's doing. Looking forward to greater things ahead. Yeah, the, the school's growing. And, yes. Uh, That's awesome. Well, folks, uh, we are getting ready to take a break here. After the break, we are going to hear Pastor Justin Kemmer's salvation testimony. So don't go away. Stay tuned. We'll be back here in just a few minutes. Pastor Justin Kimmer, Southview Baptist Church right here in Statesville. Before the break, uh, Brother Justin, we were just kind of goofing off and talking about uh, a couple of nice bucks that you killed recently, and uh, I certainly enjoy talking about that. But uh, uh, we want to segue into uh, a spiritual topic, and as I told our listeners, I'd like for you to share your testimony of how you came to know Christ as your Savior. Uh, We all have a different story, and I've said this before on Salt and Light. I say this from our pulpit at Temple Baptist uh, frequently. Uh, There is only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. But there are many roads that lead to Jesus Christ, and we all have a different journey, different background. I, I, I have known you for about three years now, and we've had great fellowship, but I have never heard your salvation testimony, so I'm looking forward to it. And yeah. So tell us how you came to know the Lord. Well, I was not, um, I was not raised in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was in the military. He was in the Navy, and so we were Navy brats, traveled all over the world. And uh, so um, I know a lot of people have a good godly heritage um, testimony, and I thank the Lord for those. Uh, But uh, quite frankly, uh, I didn't have that. My dad didn't get saved until later on in life. And uh, so that was a that was a huge um, thing for me to see the change that God had made in him now. Does that mean that I'm saved? It does not. I had to make my own decision, right? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until I was 17 years old and really trying to figure out uh, what it was to to be saved and what it what it was to uh, truly trust in Christ. You know, at that point, I'd kind of been going to church, uh, but going to church doesn't save you. Uh, riding on your mom and dad's coattails doesn't save you, Amen nor grandma that. and grandpa's. That's right. Uh, just because I was in a Baptist church did not mean that I was saved. And it was 17 years old, and uh, Pastor Don Ball, who has just recently passed away, 
but uh, certainly a hero in the faith to me, uh, was a man of God who preached the Bible, uh, who was not scared to hold back. And uh, so I remember sitting in the, in the church pew and hearing the message and for the very first time really feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, realizing that uh, I was lost and that I needed to be saved. And, um, you know, being in the military or being raised in the military and being kind of raised the way that I was, I was very uh, tough. And so that toughness, that pride, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, was really coming out between my wrestling match between myself and the Lord. Um, The pride was there and I did not want to let go of of, um, who I was or didn't think that I was going to be able to have fun or have friends. You know, all these things are going on in your mind. And uh, I was so broken uh, at this point with these things that were going on. And I remember when they gave the invitation, they started singing a song, uh, Just As I Am. Mm. And uh, it was like the, the Holy Ghost hit my heart. And uh, God let me know that he wanted me just like I was. And um, I'm very, very thankful uh, for the men of God that preach the word of God. Very, very thankful for uh, patience in the pulpit. And, uh, but that's uh, when I took the step of faith. I got outside of that pew and went down to the altar and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And um, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, I know according to the Word of God, not because of emotion, not because of some big tent revival mm-hmm. or uh, something that stirred me. Uh, I know for a fact, according to the Word of God, that I'm saved, and I have assurance in my salvation. I'm very, very thankful. Amen. Uh, the Bible talks about salvation being a simplicity yes. in Christ, and I, I like to use the word salvation is simple. I don't like the word easy because when you think about what Christ did on the cross, it certainly was when easy. you think about the, the, the battle that went on in your soul and in your heart and mind before you trusted Christ, then obviously none of that is easy. But when you came to that moment of putting your faith in Christ, that's the simple part. It's not of works. That's right. Lest any man should boast, you just had to provide God the center. And God provided you the Savior. Amen. And uh, it just doesn't get any more simple than that. You were 17 years old? 17. All right. So you know what? I don't even know how old you are now. I see maybe three gray hairs on your head. Not not many compared to me. But uh, how old are you now, brother? 40 years old. 40. Wow. Yeah. So you're getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you got a little catching up to, to catch up with me. But um, you've been pastoring three years. You probably didn't have any gray hairs three years ago. No, I don't think I did at all. <laughs> yeah. Just wait, brother. <laughs> it's better, though, to turn gray than to turn loose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, mine's been gray for a while, but it's just starting to turn loose. So they both get, they both catch up eventually. But. Yeah, I see them coming on more rapidly, though. <laughs> I'm noticing a whole lot more. I, I joke with people. They talk about, you know, how you, how you age and how how your health is. And I said, you know, we, we talk about dog years, you know, that uh, <laughs> one year is like seven years right. to a dog. I say there's ministry years, years. too. <laughs> they equate the same, right? Yeah, years can be really, really <laughs> rough on pastors, but uh, it it is all good. So uh, that is a joy. That's so exciting that you got saved when you were 17. So you've been saved for 23 years yes, now. Yes, sir. You've been pastoring now for three. Tell me about how 
God worked in your life to put you into the ministry. Now, I know from, we've talked about this in the past, some people have an experience they feel or this calling. Uh, some people, it's more of a volunteer. For me, it was more of a volunteer. Mm-hmm. I got right with God. I, I was saved when I was five got out of God's will all through my high school years. I got right with God just before I turned 20. And my dad had an experience where he felt called to preach when mm-hmm. he was 15. He ran from that call for until he was 38. So all those years, he ran from God. When I got right with the Lord, I didn't think that God would call me to preach. I didn't think that I was worth anything because right. of I'd made such a mess of my life. But I was more in the volunteer. I wanted to serve God. I I really desired that, but I didn't think that I I thought I was disqualified. Mm -hmm. But when I would read in Isaiah 6 where the Lord said, whom shall... Whom shall we send? And Isaiah is, here am I, Lord, here send I. me. I thought that that's how I felt. And so I surrendered to the Lord to do whatever he wanted me to do. According to Romans 12, 1 and 2, I presented my body a living sacrifice. And I say, God, you lead me, you open the doors, and I'm willing to go, stay, preach, teach, sing, anything that you want me to do. That's how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And God just worked in my situation. And I can relate to the Apostle Paul, where he said that God counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Mm-hmm. I didn't really hear a call, per se. I just had God just kind of just led me into it, and I just knew that it was right. How, how did you end up in, in, uh, as a pastor and in ministry? Well, you know, it's very similar to your testimony. I got saved when I was 17, and uh, there's a lot that goes into this that really— uh, I believe God put in my heart as I was a youth pastor before I became a pastor. And I love the youth and really have a heart for the youth. Um, but after I got saved when I was 17, I go to college. And uh, that's a very dangerous thing uh, right after being saved, not being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Understanding you go to prayer. college? I went to Lees McRae College up in Benner Elk. And then okay. I finished up at Wilkes Community College up in Wilkes County and uh, have a degree in horticulture. And uh, so... Um, and that's when um, there wasn't any government funding and everything being paid off, so I had to pay to go through it and pay my way through college. Um, but anyway, so uh, during that time, uh, a lot of very similar things happened. I didn't understand the importance of prayer. I didn't understand the importance of reading my Bible and not just reading it to check the box, but truly uh, allowing it to be a part of my relationship with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. uh, and then separation from things that I shouldn't be a part of. And as you would ask people those questions— um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that you would hear, but a lot of things that you would see differently out in life. Right. So I was very confused, 17 years old, and that, that kind of continued to to go until I really started picking up my Bible and reading it, and um, was um, certainly under conviction through the Bible, uh, seeing where I was with the Lord, and uh, God began to start working in my heart, and I began to get right with God and uh, repent of a lot of the things in which was going on, saw a lot of errors, still some things that I wasn't willing to let go of that I had to work through later on. But God really started to work in my heart about preaching. And, you know, for me, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm a loner. <laughs> I kind of enjoy the woods. I enjoy the trout streams. I enjoy yeah. fishing. I enjoy my deal. Um, so... Um, you know, I kind of was hearing it and God was dealing with me about it. I kind of knew what was going on, but I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I continued to 
uh, go through life. Um, and uh, God really continued to lay it on me. And it got to the point, uh, Pastor, that I was just uh, so overwhelmed with what God wanted me to do. I was dreaming about preaching, and I would wake myself up because I was so into preaching, and I'm just like, what? you know, it just became so real. And I'll never forget uh, Brother Joe Arthur was preaching a revival uh, at a church that I was um, a member of. And... Um, and uh, he uh, stopped the service, and he said, I don't know who God's dealing with about preaching, but you just need to go ahead and surrender. And uh, I immediately— Let me guess. It was you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, and it was just unbelievable. And I thank the Lord for, for him having the uh, spiritual discernment mm -hmm. uh, and uh, paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And um, But uh, that was not really just—it was, it was one of the things in which— you know, God used to break me and my heart again with the pride that I had to where it's not about me. It's not about my will. It's not about what I wanted in life. You know, for me, it was like I wanted to be a great business owner. I wanted to have riches. I wanted to be deer hunting. I wanted to have my nice little family and just be a, a layman in the church, and I'm good. Yeah. Um, but God wanted different plans, and I'm very thankful for surrendering um, my call to preach, and I remember very evidently uh, when I uh, got done weeping on the altar uh, and then announcing my call to preach, uh, just how fulfilling it was to know that I was in the will of God. Uh, it has been the hardest thing that I, uh, one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life, especially with so much negativity, uh, so many people expecting you to give up or uh, taking lots on when you're going to give up or, you know, uh, the the naysayers and the things that come with it. And even from Christian people. Yeah, no uh, doubt. And uh, so, you know, uh, I'm very thankful that uh, when a man is uh, secure in his calling and he knows that it's the will of God, that it's not in our strength, but it's in his strength and his grace for us to continue to press on. Amen. I can so relate to that. I mean, I, I, I like to hunt and fish a loner. When I surrendered to the Lord, I had no desire to preach. I didn't want to be in front of people. Right. Just, Lord, just let me just, just stick me in the corner and let me serve you. And uh, I'll leave everybody alone. They can leave me alone. But uh, God had other plans. And he started putting the same things in my heart, a desire to preach and a desire to do things that naturally I never would want to do. We're going to talk more about this after the break. Awesome. Pastor Justin Kimmer with us this morning, pastor of Southview Baptist Church here in Statesville. Uh, pastor Kimmer, uh, last segment, uh, we talked about your salvation testimony, got saved when you were 17. Uh, we talked about your call into the ministry, and I know that I could just relate so much to that. Our, our call into ministry was similar, certainly not the same. Mm -hmm but kind of a similar path, uh, definitely different than my father's call to preach. And I've heard many, many testimonies of how God called people to preach. When I got right with the Lord and, uh, in 1986, and then it was, this was in the fall of 86, about three months later, it was January of 87 is when I fully surrendered to the Lord. We had been, my father-in-law, uh, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time, but um, he was my pastor. He took me and several men in the church down to a jubilee meeting down in Cocoa, Florida. Mm -hmm. 
and we heard all kinds of preachers. I could name some of them. You probably heard of them. Billy Kelly oh, yeah. was there. Uh, I mean, there was just a list of big-time preachers and singing groups, and this was all new to me. I grew up in Idaho, and I wasn't part of the Jubilee or camp meet. I didn't even know what a camp meeting to me was like you know, going deer hunting. You're, right. going, <laughs> you're, you're meeting your buddies up at uh, camp, and mm-hmm. then you go hunting. But I didn't know what a camp meeting was. All of it was brand new. But uh, I came back from that meeting uh, talking about, I mean, the Holy Spirit was, I guess, experientially, I, I feel like that I experienced uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and came back and I, it just heaven was so real and the, the things of God were just so sweet and it was overpowering in my soul. Right. And I just surrendered. When I got home that night, I got on my bed uh, or knelt at my bed and I just surrendered to the Lord. And I came out from my bedroom and uh, my dad would pass me at the hall and he's, you know, I got tears just running down my cheeks. He says, what's the matter, son? And I said, dad, I just gave my life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he hugged me, and we just rejoiced together. The next uh, morning, it was Sunday morning, and so I went to church, and I told my pastor, who later became my father-in-law, I said, Brother Runyon, last night I, I surrendered my life to the Lord. And he said, well, praise the Lord, Brother Andy. God called you to preach. <laughs> and, and I'm like, uh, well, I mean, I, if you say so. I mean, I didn't know right. the terminology. I didn't know. I had surrendered in hopes that God would use me. But I couldn't honestly say, oh, yeah, God called me to preach. So I just kind of it's like, well, uh, if you say so. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of that, that's what he took from it. He certainly had more spiritual discernment and experience than I did. And, you know, he was right that God had uh, called me into ministry, but I didn't really know it at the time. And it just took time for God to confirm that, because like I shared with you last uh, segment, I didn't want to be, I still don't like being up in front of people, Mm -hmm. humanly speaking. It's just not my thing. I don't like attention. I don't need attention. I just want to be faithful and serve the Lord. Amen. And it's been a joy to to preach the Word of God, and it's been a joy to just try to help people. Uh, not always has it been easy, mm-hmm. and I know that you've experienced that. You're three years into pastoring here in Statesville. I'm sure that you've had some bumps in the road and some times where, uh, I think we were talking about before the broadcast, times when uh, the world and the devil and even people, we get our teeth kicked in, right? and we find out just how faithful that God is in the midst of our troubles and trials, and uh, God is just so faithful. He is. And so, uh, how are things going uh, at Southview Baptist Church? How are things going as far as uh, your ministry and pastoring? I know uh, you've got some things that you're excited about, and that God's working in your life. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's just uh, the the church is doing great. Uh, just extremely excited to see uh, the unity uh, there at our church, how God is really working in hearts uh, and getting people fired up to work together and serve the Lord. And uh, just thank the Lord for who all he is bringing into our church. And uh, we are um, growing. Now I define growing probably a lot different than a lot of people look at it. Um, I'm more about quality than quantity. Yeah. And I believe that the Lord is as well. And, um, but you know, we're growing in both aspects, both uh, quantity and quality. And, you know, my focus is, 
is just staying in the will of God and continuing to press on for him uh, to see and to really train. You know, church and our sanctuaries uh, have become to where they're entertainment centers uh, rather than um, training grounds for uh, soldiers, uh, which uh, we certainly are for, for Christ. And uh, I really uh, like my people to know that I'm in it with them. You know, I am uh, certainly not something or anybody any better than what they are just because I'm the pastor of the church. I still have a lot of learning to do, have a lot of growing to do spiritually, and we're in this journey together. And I want to enjoy the journey together, and I want us to be able to serve together, to worship together, to give together, to love together, to care together. And, um, you know, and that's really... Uh, I think God working in a mighty way amongst uh, our, my heart and the, and the people of Southview Baptist Church's heart. And it's really amazing to see what all God's doing, how he's blessing uh, the ministry in so many ways. Um, and then also, too, an impact of that is uh, Southview Christian School. God has uh, blessed uh, with being able to get us the right people uh, staff-wise there. Certainly been a prayer for years uh, to be able to make that happen. And uh, the unity that's there, the caliber of staff that we have there is just uh, unbelievable. And I'm very, very thankful for each and every single one of them. And, um, you know, I will be the first to let everyone know that even when God's doing great things, the pastor is usually the first one that is looked at, uh, you know, which is a part of our human um, uh, character traits. But at the end of the day, I could not do it without the people that are there. Uh, so, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but so often we we get way more credit than we deserve. deserve yeah. But we also get way more blame than we <laughs> yeah. deserve. Amen. You know, it's like it's like you said, we're just men. Uh, we have an elevated position. Absolutely. But we're not. There's. It's a special position, but we are not special. That's Even right. the Apostle Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels we're just men Mm -hmm. that that god has called uh he's given us the spiritual gifts that we need for his service but that doesn't make us any any better absolutely i've been around preachers that uh, i call it man of god itis i mean they wear it you know Mm -hmm. i'm the man of god and if i think it and i say it then it it was the holy spirit and you're just like, yeah, I don't think so. I, right. I think that the Bible trumps yeah. <laughs> uh, your uh, your feelings. But uh, uh, I've been around those guys. I I, I definitely uh, don't ever want to uh, want to be that guy. But, right. But I do want to be faithful, and I know that you do as well. Amen. And we're servants, right? We're servants to our people. We're servants unto God. And I think within true leadership, that is the that is the focus and the mindset that we have to stay in tune to is that, uh, you know, we are servants to them. We are servants to uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he was the greatest example of that, uh, of a servant uh, for us. And um, just very thankful for being a part of the ministry. And um, it has, uh, there has definitely been uh, some things that have come up. But as you and I were talking uh, before the broadcast a little bit, uh, I'm very thankful for those things. I'm very thankful for how the Lord's worked. Uh, God showing his faithfulness to me, his realness to me. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for anything uh, because it has certainly allowed uh, myself to be uh, in a better position. Uh, I would consider it more mature Christian at this point, going through some of the battle uh, stronger. Uh, also, my marriage, my wife uh, is uh, just absolutely a tremendous 
lady of the Lord, and I thank the Lord for, for her and uh, couldn't do the things that I'm able to do without her, uh, how God has blessed my family, my kids. And um, so um, with that, without, without those things happening in ministry, uh, I wouldn't have the peace and the joy that I have today as I walk with him, uh, which is um, absolutely wonderful right now. I love it. And uh, I don't have to get on a platform, a social media platform, to try to put some facade out there. Yeah. Uh, it's just the realness as I walk with him, and you I wouldn't have to market anything. yourself. That's right. Yeah. And you know, um, and I'm just very thankful for a relationship with Christ. It's not about religion, you know. It's about a personal walk with Him yeah. and enjoying that. Uh, and even though that tough times are behind, and there's a couple of tough things that dealing with now and I know that there are going to be tough things ahead um, you know I have Christ with me and yeah. I'm a victor through these things why because Christ was a victor for us yeah. and uh, always has been and always will be and um, you know like I was sharing with you right as we go through things uh, this applies to everyone that's listening uh, it's either going to make us bitter or better and it's our outlook on it if we put ourselves in the way and a negative outlook, we're going to become bitter. And bitterness is a very difficult thing to overcome. But if we apply things spiritually and apply things to the Word of God and not outside of the Word of God, and we see what God is doing uh, in His purpose and His plan, uh, wow, how much better it makes us and how much better our, our outlook on life is. And, uh, man, we can, we can truly serve with victory and truly serve with joy. Well, I know I'm very encouraged by what I've seen. Uh, we, I met you three years ago, and, uh, you know, I knew a little bit the uh, previous pastor. Uh, I'd had him on the radio broadcast. I knew a little bit uh, uh, about Southview's ministry. And so I knew you came in. I didn't know you, but I knew that this was your first pastorate. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, here's a guy. His first pastorate is a church with a Christian school. And uh, I know for many of the first two years, you didn't have an administrator. Right. And you were having to be an administrator and a pastor. And I just kind of kind of watched at a distance, uh, tried to stay close as, and try to help out as much as I could. And I felt very limited by that. But I thought, wow, that is, you got your, you got a battle in front of you. You got your work cut out for you. And uh, the Lord has taken care of it. You got a good, faithful administrator now, and you're able to focus on pastoring. And, you know, three years into it, the new and the shiny, it always wears off. And, yeah, honeymoon's you know, over. <laughs> pe people can talk real big until the new and the shiny wears off. But uh, I have uh, experienced and observed that God uses men over time. Absolutely. And it is, you know, you, you have to measure... Uh, a, a ministry and the fruit of a ministry, not uh, per year, but really every five or 10 years. It's mm -hmm. just uh, nowadays, uh, everything is slow going if you're sticking with the Bible. You know, you talked about uh, church growth being just numbers. Well, uh, there are churches all around us that are growing numerically, but they're compromising. Mm -hmm. They're not preaching the whole counsel of God. That's they're right. allowing worldliness in and giving people what they want rather than focusing on what God wants. And um, I believe with all my heart, if we do God's work God's way, we will have God's Blessings. Result, yeah, God's amen. blessings. And I'd rather have a healthy church than to have a large church. Amen. And so I appreciate the work that you're doing. Stay tuned. Last segment coming up. We're going to talk just a little bit more with Pastor Justin Kimmer.
Well, listeners, I certainly hope you've been enjoying Salt and Light today. I know personally I have. Uh, We're joined with Pastor Justin Kemmer, and we've had some great conversation. Uh, He shared his salvation testimony. We've talked about God calling us into the ministry, talked a little bit about uh, your ministry there at Southview Baptist Church, Southview Christian School. And so I I asked you when uh, we talked about you coming and being on Salt and Light today to bring a topic. And so what do you got for us today, brother? Well, you know, the Lord's really burdened my heart about the home and, um, you know, the the emphasis that um, of the home, where we are as a society um, with how homes are. Um, but truly, where, what does the Bible say about the home? How does how does God uh, how did God form the home? How important is the home, our priority around the home? And uh, you know as well as I do, being a pastor, and I'm not just talking about my church or your your church. I'm talking about uh, the local assemblies um, that are churches. Um, that um, the the quality of the home will equate to the quality of the church, Amen. and uh, it all begins with the home, and it all begins at home, and it really starts with um, you know man and our position in the home as being the spiritual leader. And uh, our emphasis of loving our wives as Christ loved the church and gave him his life for it, uh, being the example, uh, putting the things of God as a priority, uh, even over work, uh, even though that is something that a man should do, uh, and even providing for our home. Uh, and then the role of um, the helpmeet that God has made for us uh, and loving her and respecting her and cherishing in her and allowing that to be seen uh, from um, our our children, uh, the responsibility in which God gave us. You know, it is not anybody else's duty uh, to train our children in the ways of the Lord. And I'm not talking about the ways of the world. I'm talking about in the ways of the Lord. It is the home's job. It is mom and dad's job to train up a child in the way that it should go. And uh, that is what our Bible teaches us. And it's taking those things uh, and getting to the fundamentals of the Bible to construct our homes the way that they should, learning what our positions are, and not not a, not taking those positions as something that is something that we are um, scared of or that we're warring against, but enjoying our position in the home, uh, and and me as as a as a as a father enjoying my fatherhood, enjoying being a husband, enjoying my position of being a spiritual leader in my home. It's not a drag to teach my son how to pray or to check up on my uh, daughter's devotional life and to talk to them about where they are in the Bible or what they're gaining from the Word of God. Or, you know, I have a a really young one, you know, to uh, really get her started and follow up with the Sunday school lessons that she's hearing about. Or she gauges in a conversation about uh, David and Goliath or Noah's Ark. Put the phone down and spend a little bit of time with them uh, to really engage in that conversation. I want her to know that her her thoughts right now are very important to me, right? And taking those things and allowing that to really start uh, defining our homes around godly principles and, and the Bible. Um, 
I, I've observed, uh, Brother Kimmer, that a lot of good Christian homes, good Christian families, that they put too much on the church. They think, well, it's my job to just put a roof over their head, feed them, get clothes, and take care of all that, to get them involved in sports. I, listen, I'm not against sports, but listen, we're in a culture here where kids are so focused on sports and church always takes a back seat to sports. Yes. And I believe that that is to the detriment of Christian homes. Right. Uh, sports can be helpful in developing character, but it can also be harmful. Mm-hmm. It can. There's a lot of backlash and negative character influences that come from sports. And so it's just not automatically, you know, it's just like a parent thinking that if I put my kid in Little League, then they're going to develop character. Well, they can. They may learn some lessons, but it's the same way with church. You can't just say, I'm going to put my kid in church and expect that they're going to be spiritual and leave it all up to the church. That's exactly right. Uh, The church is secondary. The home is the place where uh, God is supposed to be at the center. And if we had better Christian homes, we would have better churches. I believe that at the root of so many so many families leaving a good, solid, Bible-believing church and going to a liberal one is because that's what their kids like. But they've helped develop that appetite for what these liberal churches are giving. It's just all fun and games and a bunch of worldly dancing and music mm-hmm. and nonsense that's not anywhere what God says that this, it's more cultural than it is scriptural. Right. And the reason is a lot of times it's not Listen, if these churches were going liberal, but Christian homes were sticking with the Bible and doing their job, these liberal churches would go belly up. They Mm -hmm. wouldn't have anybody that's flocking to them like they have now. And so the liberal churches are not always the problem. Sometimes they are the symptom of the problem, and the problem comes down to the home. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the feeding of the flesh... Uh, is what we is so easy to do, and it's so easy to get caught up in it. And I believe it starts at home, and that transitions to the next step, which I believe is the primary focus of of true worship, and true training, and true discipleship is in the home. And as you said, the church is certainly secondary, and God uses that in a mighty way to continue to allow us to grow uh, in His Word and to grow as uh, as Christians. Um, but then, you know, as, as this feeding of the flesh is so evident in the home, right? And we have lost focus on God being the priority, and it is seen in knowledge of the Bible. It's seen in a walk of the Lord and the character in which people have. And it's seen in the faithfulness to the local church, right? Um, to where uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, several years ago, it was not an option with most families. We're going to church. And um, so seeing the decline in the priorities of God uh, and then we're training our we're training our children in these ways. And so as the Bible has clearly showed us, as they are taught, there's going to continue to be a decline. And uh, society is evidence of that with all of the uh, monstrosities of of what is out there, uh, ideology, uh, the things that are being accepted now. And, um, you know, it's it's time for Christian homes to be Christian homes. You know, a lot of times, brother, is there's parents are sending mixed signals. They will tell their children that, hey, God's first. But they, you know, if their child has a game or a practice, 
they'll miss church for the game or practice, right. but they would never miss the game or practice for church. Right. And so, you know, we say, well, God's supposed to be first in your life, but we they demonstrate to their children that God is secondary, that he's not first. And, you know, it may mean that your child gets benched. Mm-hmm. He can't play first string because you missed that practice because it was Wednesday night church. Where is God in that mentality? Listen, if, if, if you put God first, then you're going to have God's blessings. And so it requires some faith, but it's also an opportunity. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not a big problem. It's an opportunity to demonstrate to your child and to train them right. that, hey, we're putting God first. And in doing that, that means that church is more important than all of these secular and social activities. And so God's given us that opportunity to train that. We just got to take advantage of it, and it just means some faith. They say, well, we don't want to let our team down. Well, who are we letting down Absolutely. if we prioritize? Listen, all of you listeners, there may be one exception out there, but your child's not going to become a pro athlete, all right? And even if they do, God help you. That's a, that's a cesspool of immorality uh, most pro athletes do not end up being good people. Right. Fame, fortune, yes. But when it comes to heaven and eternity, not a good thing. We're about out of time. Any last thoughts, Brother Kimmer? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the most important thing with what we're talking about this topic is obedience. You know, obedience unto the Lord. And it's our responsibility as mom and dad and as as uh, older um, older Christians to, to teach our children obedience. There's nothing wrong with playing sports. No. There's nothing wrong with or hunting. hunting or fishing <laughs> or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But we've got to get back to the basics of the Bible. God has told us from the Old Testament that there shall not be any other gods before me. It's evidence. It's the first mm-hmm. commandment mm-hmm. in the New Testament. The very same thing applies. And Jesus followed up and said, the second is to be able to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, your soul, your spirit, everything about us. Well, these are the responsibilities and the obedience and the priorities that we need to put in place in our homes to train up the next generation. And, um, you know, it can uh, when the home, when the quality of the home is in place and the quality is being passed on and people come in ready to worship, ready to hear the word of God, um, great things are going to be done uh, for our society. Uh, Do I believe that there can be a national revival that takes place? Um, I believe anything's possible with the Lord. Um, you know, I think that it's more about uh, home revival, personal revival, uh, revival in our local churches and seeing God do great and mighty things. People get serious about God Monday through Saturday. They'll be serious about God on Sunday. That's where revival's going to take place. And so I appreciate the things that you had to say. Brother Kimmer, it's been a joy to have you on Salt Amen. and Light. Uh, And so uh, congratulations on those two big bucks. Congratulations on how things are going over at Southview. And uh, we appreciate you and your friendship. And uh, may the Lord bless you. And uh, looking forward to next time we have you on Salt and Light. Folks, God bless you. We hope you have a great day today. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and He died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust Him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. 
You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. Get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.